Wow, church, what a day, what a weekend, amen? Just give God a hand. He is working and moving, and uh, if you're online with us, just drop a little high five or a clap so our host knows you're there. God is here. I'm telling you, to be able to celebrate together what he is doing in people's lives, I mean, that's our prayer, right? Is that we as a people would find and follow Jesus, and that we get to do that not just you know, me and Jesus, but, but we and Jesus, we get to do that together. And in this series that we're in and we are one, you know, it's, it's amazing how God lines things up because today, if you want, you could turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter six. And we're looking at this idea that obedience is a two-way street. Obedience is a two-way street. You see, when Paul is writing this letter in Ephesians, he's writing to a, a church family that's in a city called Ephesus, that's a major port city 2,000 years ago, that's facing pressure. It, it has cultural pressure, political pressure. It has pressure from the kingdom of darkness that is opposing Jesus' people. And in the face of all those pressures, here comes Paul saying, remember who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter, that light has shown up in the darkness and it's shown up through Jesus and through his spirit in you and I. And, and that when we band together as the family of God, that literally Jesus changes all of our relationships. That when we're obedient to the Father, say up. When we're obedient up, that's the first lane of the street. And the second lane of obedience is out. Say out. Okay, so we're looking at up and out. And the reality is when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he says, I want to change all of your relationships. It's going to start with me and, and you being obedient. And then through you, how you behave outwardly towards others. And it's a radical message then because they were facing as much, if not probably more pressure than you and I. And in that day and age, as they began to, to obey two ways, up and out, it began to change the community they lived in. And today, specifically, as we look at this, I want to remind you that we can't do this without the power of the Spirit. That, that it's only in the Spirit because our flesh is pretty stinking strong, I'll admit it. Right? And so let me show you as we get this rolling something in Ephesians that I've emphasized for a few weeks now. And it's so important because you have a home and you have a workplace and in those places today, we're asking the question, what does it look like to be obedient up and out? Yeah, I'm going to touch on your Monday through Saturday today. Because it isn't just what we do here. It's, it's easy sometimes to get it right here. Maybe not in the parking lot. <laughs> fighting for space, right? But in here, we can put on the face and we can make it work. But how are we living at home and at work? How are things actually. Let me show you, before we get into the word, just a picture of my family. I'm so blessed. My wife Cindy is in the middle there. This was Mother's Day. I'll probably take heat from the teens. They do not like to be featured, okay? I'm not going to name any of them. Way I don't owe them ice cream. But this, this is our family. And the reality is, things at home and at work it's a real conversation that, that I want to really press on that because there are times when 
We can look like the picture, but maybe things aren't the way they need to be at home, right? So let me ask the question again, and let me just emphasize a different word here. How are things really at home and at work, right? Like really, if we are honest, and you get to that place of saying, yeah, this is what's really going on. I think that's what Paul wants to help us with as we get into the text, is to be able to be honest enough to say, yeah, there's some things that really need God's hand and touch. There's some things that really need his work, his transforming power. Our family would, would tell you we're not perfect. We're far from it. But we're transforming, we're growing with the grace of God. Amen? So Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And here's what I want to emphasize, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul, as he's laying out this letter where he talks about submission to the Lord, submission to one another, as he talks about obedience and what it looks like, he, keeps, he lays the foundation to say we need to be filled with the Spirit. And if you're new to church, what that means is when you give your life and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, he fills you with the Spirit and seals you as his. You are now a child of his. But it also, in this, in this particular instance, Paul is using a present tense verb, be, being filled, is, is how you could translate that. What he's saying is, listen, you have the spirit, but you also have a flesh that, wor- way, that, that often gets in the way of the spirit. Anybody else have a flesh moment? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how many of you fought on the way to church today, but it happens, right? And, and so what he's getting at is to be filled with the spirit then allows us to live and to do these other things. So let's look at the first four verses of Ephesians chapter 6, which that'll be our primary text today. He says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Parents, can I get an amen? This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, fathers, this also would apply to parents, single parents, pay attention. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. As we look at this, we're going to unpack what it means to have this two-lane street of obedience. What does it mean to be obedient to the Lord and then obedient outward to wherever and whatever season we're in? So we look at this again, we want to be filled with the Spirit. Think of it this way. I, I am about nine months new to Vero, and I'm from Michigan, okay? And in Michigan, we have something called Michigan U-turns, okay? If you've never been there, it, it just means that you don't do a U-turn at a stoplight, okay? Now, in Florida, I am all in. I love that I can do, like, every left turn has two options now, Right? I've got a two-lane street, like I can go left or I can go really left, right, and do a U-turn. And, and, and in so many ways, when I was getting used to this, I would, I, it was so, at times, like disorienting that I would have to turn on my GPS on my phone in order to see, is this turn legal, right? Can I do this? The Spirit is meant to be that same GPS for us that helps us to see and to live the way we're supposed to live. 
And so as we look at this and what it means, if you're taking notes, obedience is a two-way street at home. And for us, that means that we're filled with the Spirit, we're obedient to God and to those, whether we're parents or kids, we're obeying what God is showing us. You see, our faith is meant to have an outward component. Francis Chan, a pastor and author, says this, being a Christian means that Christ has entered you, filled you with his love, and is pouring out his love through you to the people around you. So much of what Paul is writing is how our faith is worked out when we're filled with the love of God and begin to love those around us. It's literally a call to live on mission for God, which flows out of this obedience. Now, as we heard in here, there's a first moment for the kids. And it's actually a revolutionary moment because Paul, in the text we're looking at, is actually giving rights and responsibilities to children. That was something in that day and age that often would not be done. That kids often were seen as an inconvenience. Do not amen that. They were seen as to be discarded or, or ignored. And so what Paul is doing, and he does this throughout his writings, is he's actually helping redeem humanity. And in this particular sense, he's saying, listen, kids, you have some rights and some responsibilities. And so we're to obey first, he says, as to the Lord. Now for kids, we need to look at this, that obedience is right to what God has commanded, it also brings blessing. He's actually quoting when he says that it's the first command to come with a promise. He's quoting Exodus. And out of the Ten Commandments, chapter 20, verse 12, what what actually he's saying to our kids and to our families to understand this is a significant moment. Because as Moses is laying out the Ten Commandments, The first four are vertical and upward. And then the very first one that goes outward, the next six, ten commandments have to do with our relationships. The very first one is honor your parents and your life will be long. I feel that the quality of life here in Florida is pretty stinking good because you all age so incredibly well. Amen? <laughs> like, seriously, it's amazing. Now, now, you could say, like, it's just Florida, but what if some of that was because we're actually obeying the Lord? We're actually honoring and respecting, and we're serving in the ways we're supposed to. And kids, I just want to tell you, like, you, how you learn under your parents to, to honor and respect them also is a way that you learn to later honor and respect the Lord and a boss and your teachers. It has a significant ripple. And we trust God for the reward in that. That's what he's getting at here is to trust God for the reward. Now, it's interesting if you're in Exodus and you see the promise and the reward, a little bit later there's also In that day and age, a curse. There was actually in Exodus 21 this reality that if you did not honor and did not obey your parents, it was a capital offense. Can you imagine? 
Some of you parents are like, yes, I can. (laughs) Yesterday, were you in my house, pastor? Right? I I mean, there are moments that we can't imagine, but at the end of the day, we have to understand what God is doing here through Jesus, through the Spirit. He's saying, listen, I want to redeem all of your relationships. And whatever age and stage you're at, if your parents are still alive, there's an honor and respect to them. If they're not, they're still honoring and respecting their legacy. And and scripture is clear that there's a blessing and a reward that comes with that. But there's also, parents, something we have to look at because it said, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. A few days ago in my home, I have four children. One of them said, Dad, aren't you being a little harsh right now to my sibling? Too much? Too real? This child (laughs) that said this was absolutely right. And did I have a hidden advantage that I knew I was standing before you today to preach on this text? (laughs) Absolutely. But did the Holy Spirit convict me in that moment that yes, maybe my tone and my intensity was a bit much? That, That maybe my intent and what I wanted to teach and instruct was right, but the way I was approaching it was wrong? And did they use, did God use one of my children to point it out? Absolutely. And we need to have enough humility to trust that the Lord, if he welcomes children, that yes, we sit in the seat of authority that needs to be honored, but we also can have moments of humility to say we don't always get it right. I was blessed growing up that, that I did grow up in a, in a Christian home where my dad, I can only remember one time where he really lost it. Only one. And it was completely my fault. I provoked him to that place. I can remember that moment, but, but I can also remember that, that there was discipline. <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> I grew up, uh, you know, Belts had a different purpose. It wasn't just to hold up your pants, okay? And uh, loved my dad, but I'll tell you, he never did it in anger, and he never did it to provoke me to anger. Anything he did was not punishment, but discipline. And I want us to understand the difference today, because some some of us need to understand that our heavenly Father through Jesus, if you read like in a Hebrews 12, he's all about disciplining us and growing us in the Lord. And we need to do the same. We're not there to punish, but to help discipline and train in the Lord. Amen? So what is the difference between the two as you think about the, this, this concept? Punishment upholds the rules versus restoring the relationship. Punishment doesn't worry about repentance or forgiveness, and it's often fear-driven. It's often creating a fear versus a bond of love. Discipline is actually focused on repentance and forgiveness and love. It's driven by the idea that that we don't want to just see a bad behavior stopped, but we want to see a heart transformed. So fathers and parents, I want to encourage you to to lean into the Lord to to look at the difference between punishment and discipline. One of the things that that my dad used to do and my mom used to do with me you know, as they'd sit me down and they'd want to make sure that I understood why I was in trouble and why I was receiving that discipline. 
Now, sometimes, admittedly, we need to wait to have that conversation because we're a little too worked up. Anybody? Okay. But at some point, that's the goal. And we're modeling for our kids what the Lord does for us. That that when he disciplines us, he's there to say, hey, uh, this is how you made a mess. Here's how I can walk with you to help you fix it. And here's how much I love you and forgive you in this moment. When we begin to, to get this right, it really does change our relationships. There's a mutual responsibility to obey up and out. Can you say that with me? Up and out. N.T. Wright, a modern scholar and Bible commentator, says this. He says, now Paul insists on a mutual responsibility. Parents must behave appropriately towards children, which means not being harsh and provoking children so that they become bitter and want to rebel or run away. Do you know Jesus came in the flesh and, and had an earthly father? Joseph. Joseph's not mentioned a whole lot in the Bible, but there's actually a parenting moment in Luke chapter 2, if you'll go there with me, where it's a moment where you can imagine like Joseph, like can you imagine, like it's enough to have a kid, but can you imagine like you're raising the son of God? (laughs) Like that's a little bit of responsibility, right? And so from age 12 to 30, we'll see that there's not a lot we know about what that home looked like or what was going on in there. But we see an incredibly uh, amazing parenting moment in Luke chapter 2. There's actually a little bit of a funny moment in the sense that they were on a journey, and in that day and age, it was often a caravan. Families would travel together. And so somehow, Mary and Joseph assumed that Jesus, their 12-year-old, was somewhere else with the family in this caravan. And they're on a few-day journey, and and maybe they just wanted, you know, some me time. But by the time they realized that, that Jesus wasn't with them, they, I'm sure, began to panic. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they're looking for Jesus, and they find him in the temple. And, and he's actually interacting with the rabbis and the teachers, and it's a little glimpse into his future. Because in that moment, you see that Jesus is bringing something that even the rabbis recognize this 12-year-old is different. But in that moment... He humbles himself, Jesus does, and he honors his parents. His parents also, while they might be quite scared and quite upset, do something interesting, and we're going to pick up in verse 48. In verse 48, it says, And when his parents saw him, so they find Jesus in the temple, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. And Jesus, this is what we know from age 12 to 30, in their home, what happened? He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see, there's a moment of discipline and restoration and moving forward together, which has got to be the goal of every parent. Now, if we're in this room, the likelihood is there's been some brokenness in the parenting that we received, 
and maybe even that we've done. We live in a broken and fallen world, and we all have our moments. Amen? And so one of the things we want to do is be here as a church to be real with each other and to say, hey, we're going to get in rooms and we're going to learn how to do this together. So excited. Pastor Eleanor actually is going to offer a workshop for parents uh, coming up in October. We have the information, I believe, and we're going to put it up. And there's a sign up that you can be a part of. Do we have that slide, team? There it is. Parents, we want to encourage you. Go to pathwayvb.com slash parenting and sign up for this workshop that will get you in a room with other parents, get you into conversations about how do we do this so we're not alone. Amen? Church, we are here to grow and to see what God can do. God is transforming relationships and homes. You see that catch? That was good. (laughs) Woo! All right. We're going to look at five more verses today. And as we do this, I'm going to just tell you straight up, as as Paul goes from verse 5 to 9, it is one of the more problematic texts for me because it uses the term slave and master. And I just want us to know that what we sang about earlier is absolutely true. And the difference between slavery then, in general, and what we know as American slavery is very different. That in fact, one of the best ways to to understand that day and age and what was happening was an employer and an employee kind of relationship. Often, slaves were indentured servants or paying off debts to their masters. It was like an employer and an employee kind of relationship. Now, there still was slavery in that day and age that was atrocious and awful. But what we see here from Paul is, is not that, that he denounces it in the way we might want. But what he does is it's almost like he, he says, listen, if, if you as employees and employers or slaves and masters is the language he uses, if you'll be obedient up to the Lord and out to one another, it's going to transform your workplace. It's going to transform your communities. It's like he slides a ticking time bomb into that system of slavery because he knows that if we are obedient to the Lord and one another, we're going to treat each other like brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? So let's read this next part because historically, this particular text has been used wrongly and has caused abuse and damage. So here we go. Ephesians 6 Verse 5, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So he's saying, listen, when you go to work, you're to work for the Lord first and foremost, that, that your obedience is upward. So yeah, you all probably have a boss in mind right now. And God's saying, look past them to me, and you'll be a better employee. Boy, it got quiet. Verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. There it is again. We trust that the Lord brings the reward, that God has a blessing when we're obedient. 
says whether he's a bondservant or free. And then verse 9, masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. As we look at this, obedience is a two-way street, as we said, at home and at work. There's an employer and an employee relationship that he's getting at here that's meant to be up, that we're both serving the Lord first and out, and we're wanting to see God's will. God's will with that brings blessing. When we do things God's way, it changes even the workplace. Many of you are employers, and you're dealing with recruiting issues right now. You're dealing with retention issues. It is a difficult time to be an owner or an employer. Amen? And I believe some of what Paul is getting at here is, listen, if you've created an atmosphere in your workplace where you're serving the Lord and you're serving each other, that in that space you will have a family, that you're no longer just workers and co-workers. You're creating a space where people will see the difference in how they're treated. It makes such a difference. A few years back, I was in a situation where we, we had... Uh, we had started a church and we had started a nonprofit. And, and the nonprofit had social enterprises, so we ran multiple businesses. And, and I was over uh, that as well, and, and we got in over our head, and there was a lot of mistakes made. Got upside down like a million dollars. You can go, oh, okay? It was scary and it was hard. And I can remember facing that and going, God, what do we do? And so every day for 2000, this was in 2018, just three and a half years ago. Every day during that year, it was waking up and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. Help me to make every wrong right that I can make right today. And I marched that out with the team around me and the board and the employees. And we did everything we could. And we had to ask for forgiveness a lot. I can remember going to one meeting. This gentleman, we owed him uh, about a quarter million dollars. You could say, oh, okay. God cares about our homes and workplaces. And in that moment, we owed him about a quarter million dollars, and there, we didn't have it. There was nothing I could do in that moment. If you're in business, this would be a, a, a moment where you know it is the, the meeting you go to with a gun and a lawyer, or, or maybe both, you know, like it's a, it's a gun and lawyer type of situation. It's that tense. Anybody? Okay. Different kind of pastor, different kind of church. Okay, so I didn't go with either. I didn't go with a gun and I didn't go with a lawyer. I sat down with a third party present. And we humbly admitted our mistakes. We did everything we could to try to make it right and to find a new pathway to, to figure that out. And at the end of the meeting, God did something that only God can do in those settings because two, two people that could have been at odds, lawsuits were on the table, being threatened. We got up from the table, and as we did, the, the other gentleman said, uh, by the way, pastor, would you mind? I, I'd like to stay for a minute and talk to you about doing my wedding in six months. My coworker looked at me and said, I thought you were going to get decked today. I don't know what God just did in this room, 
I'm telling you, if we can be humble enough to allow the Lord to work six days a week outside of here, he can transform relationships and workplaces. And there's a two-way street there. There's our role as the employer, and there's our role as the employee. Some of you, it's the things you're saying about your boss, the things you say in the break room, are away from work that's causing the damage. God today, I think, wants to not shame us, but convict us that we're representing him. And his spirit is with us and available. And he's there in those moments and he wants to do something different. And this is what happened in that day and age. is because they were obedient, that two-lane street, things began to change. Let me tell you a little bit about the redemption, if you're taking notes, that happens. Because when we are obedient, up and out, transformation happens. Transformation happens. And one of the things that happened in that early church in Ephesus was redemption. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1 and remind you what Paul had already told them in this letter. He had said to them in verse 3 and 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He goes on to say, In love he predestined us for adoption, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He adopts us. He redeems us. We are his sons and daughters. And that early church in Ephesus, they heard that message. And you know what they did? They started going out quietly into their community. You could look this up. They, they, they were in a city where children were discarded if they couldn't afford to take care of a child, there was no stigma with taking that child to the local dump and dumping the child. Yeah, it's alarming, isn't it? In that day and age, they could take a child that they couldn't afford or didn't want, and they could discard them at the local dump. And at that local dump, sometimes the child would die of starvation. Other times, the child would maybe be sold in to another family where they wanted a playmate for their kid, or they might be actually sold into slavery or even prostitution. In that city, Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. It's actually this temple to the goddess, their false goddess, Diana or Artemis. That temple actually was, they viewed her as a fertility goddess and they had temple prostitutes. Can you understand now where some of those may have came from? And the early church was in Ephesus was hearing this message of obedience up and out and all they knew is when we go out into our community, we cannot allow this any longer. And they began to love and quietly bring children into their homes. And just as Jesus has adopted them and redeemed them, they began to redeem and adopt those other children. And in Roman law, when you adopted a child, that child was yours legally for life. It was a huge commitment. Church, they transformed Ephesus. One child at a time as they were able 
to allow God's love to flow through them. Can you imagine what God could do if we grabbed a hold of this two-way street of obedience? What could he do in our homes? What could he do through our homes to help the community around us? We want to live on mission, church. But let's go a little bit farther. There was redemption that was transformative. There was also restoration. Restoration was the other aspect. Because as Paul had written to them about slaves and slave masters or employees and employers, there was a restoration that was happening. And actually in the book of Philemon, he writes a letter from the same prison that he wrote this, from what we can tell, the same place he wrote this letter in Ephesians, he wrote another letter to a slave master or employer named Philemon. Philemon was a wealthy man who had a lot of resources, and he had a runaway slave named Onesimus. That runaway slave had left that place of employment or slavery, had somehow ran into early Christians, and those early Christians had shared the gospel and how good Jesus was. And he had come into a relationship with the Lord and had been radically changed. And as much as Paul probably wanted him to stay there with him, he writes a letter that travels with him back to Philemon. And I want you to hear what he says to him because this is what leads to restoration. He says, accordingly, this is his letter, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, Yet for love's sakes, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. He says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment from the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent. You see how he's honoring and respecting the relationship? He says, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but as a more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verse 21, he says, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. We are called to follow Jesus and obey him in all of our relationships. And what Paul is saying to him is, listen, you don't just have a runaway slave. You have somebody who's returning to you as now a brother in the Lord. How incredible is that? That our Lord looks at us and says, with Jesus, the foot of the cross is the most level ground. That all of us come to him in need of a savior. And it right-sizes all of our relationships. It creates a humility. It creates a longing to say, I can't do this without the Lord. There is redemption and restoration when we come to the foot of the cross. 
And it's letters like that, moments like that, that I believe began to dismantle slavery. The church, if you look it up historically, was involved in the abolition of slavery for centuries. People that's relationships had been changed up and out. So church, let me ask you three questions to close today. Three next step questions. First is, will you step into redemption and restoration with Jesus today? Let's just sit in this for a minute. What is it that, that you need God to redeem today? Kids, maybe it's how you've been acting towards your parents. Workers, maybe it's how you've been with your boss. Employers, maybe it's been how you've been treating your employees. Parents, maybe it's something you've done with your kids. Where do you need redemption and restoration today? Because our God is able. Church, our God is able. He is able to redeem and to restore. And I know that he has called us to be a people of redemption and restoration. Secondly, are you obeying God up, whatever he's showing you, and outward? Vertically and horizontally, up and out. And third, what do you need to do today or this week to obey God in your home and or your work? My conviction as a pastor who's been doing this for almost 20 years, I'm not interested in you walking away going, wow, that was some great information. I'm interested in us saying yes to the Lord and beginning to walk into transformation together. Saying yes to Jesus and allowing him to have his way. And that may be a little uncomfortable today. You may wonder, you know, pastor, why, why are you touching my home and my workplace today? Because our God is sovereign and there is no divide. He's over it all. And he wants to show up in it all. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then I want to create the space for us to respond and to say yes to the Lord. Whether you do that in your seats, whether you do that online, whether you stand and do it through song, whether you come to the altars, the kneeling benches, we are here to pray with you. Whatever you need to bring, whether it's redemption or restoration or an area of obedience, Jesus is able, and the foot of the cross is the place to bring it today. So Father, we come to you humbly. We thank you for your word and that it is so practical, that it is life-changing and transforming. Father, we thank you for the redemption the forgiveness we find in you. I pray that today, if anybody doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would make that decision to be redeemed by you. I also ask, Lord, for the situations and relationships that need redemption or restoration, that we would see them through your eyes and we'd bring each of those situations and people to the foot of the cross to lay it down, and to believe that you are able. Thank you for your transforming power. 
And Jesus, as we come to you now, I pray that you would just fill us. Fill us with the knowledge of you and how you want us to obey you. Find a people that is saying yes and amen to you today. May this fall on good soil and bear great fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship him. Let's praise him. Wherever you find yourself today, this next song, It Is Well, is one of those songs that reminds us no matter the situation at home or at work, no matter what we're facing, we serve a God. When we look to him, we can say, it is well. Let's bring it all to him. You know, Pastor Brian's been talking to us a lot about being vulnerable and what God can do when we are vulnerable. Because um, I don't deserve to be up here. <laughs> I'm nobody. Um, the song that we're about to sing is just, it's crazy how God lines things up. Just listening to um, what Pastor Brian was talking about and how God is able. And this song just brings me Wait, right back to um, about seven, almost eight years ago, and I was, you know, I'd made some wrong choices. Um, I've always loved Jesus. I always have. But, you know, there's times where we just don't want to listen to our Father. <laughs> we don't want to obey. Um, but I'd, I'd messed up really bad. And um, I was just in a moment where I just remember I was, I was ironing. I don't even iron, like, I was like, I was mess, I was wrecked. Um, and I was ironing, and this song um, came on, and this song is where God met me. He brought me back to worship, to love Him so much. So I just encourage you. I knew I couldn't talk without losing it. Hopefully, I can sing. But. I just want you to take this moment. Don't look at us. This is not a show. It's not a concert. We're here to show you how to worship him. He is able. And he's redemptive.
guys, that it's when we surrender is when he can really work in us and he can really redeem us and restore us. Thank you, Jesus. God is moving in this place, amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to pray just over our homes and workplaces and send us out to go and be the church. But if you're somebody online, our host that is there for you, somebody in here, we have prayer partners available. We would love to pray with you. We'll stay up here and available. If you're a visitor, you can come out to our welcome center. We have a gift for you. If you're a parent of a child that's in our kids' ministry, please hurry there. We're a few minutes over where we're normally at. We love our kids' ministry, don't we? Be sure to love on them and encourage them. Father, it is well, not because everything is perfect, but because you're perfect and present to show up in it. God, I'm just asking that you would show up in homes and in workplaces, that we would be open to you, that we would be obedient to you in ways up and out that would transform homes, neighborhoods, our community, wherever we live, Lord. We believe that you are able. So Jesus, may you redeem and restore and we will give you all the glory. Be with us as we love you and love all people in our pathway. Be with those that were baptized today. Continue to protect and encourage them as they follow you. And we pray that next week we can come back and celebrate all of the stories of what you are doing. Thank you that you care about more than just Sunday. So be with us as we go now and be your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.